ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستهديه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهدي الله فهو المهتد ومن يضلل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له وان محمدا عبده ورسوله واصلي واسلم عليه وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين وعلى تابعيهم ومن تبعهم باحسان الى يوم الدين praise be to allah we praise him we seek his guidance and forgiveness whomever allah guide none can misguide and whoever allah leaves astray none can guide besides allah we bear witness that there is no one worth worshiping but Allah, the true God. And we bear witness that Muhammad is his last prophet and messenger. Prayers and peace of Allah be upon him, upon his companions, upon his followers, and their followers till the day of judgment. Servants of Allah have the taqwa of Allah. That is, be aware of Allah's existence. Have the taqwa of Allah, that is, be aware that Allah hears everything that you say, and sees everything that you do. So do not do and do not say except what makes Allah happy. Have the taqwa of Allah, that is, have the balance between the love of Allah and the fear of His punishment. Have the taqwa of Allah and do not die, except on the state of Islam, the state of submission to the will and the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the most famous hadiths that we heard or we learned in our lives, maybe the first hadith that we learned when we were kids, is what Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Buniya al-Islam ala khams. Islam is built on five pillars. Shahada, zakah, salah, siyam, and hajj. All of us know this hadith. This is a basic hadith in our religion. That Prophet Muhammad wasallam telling us the main foundation and the main pillars of our religion, of our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are these five things. Now, let's understand that Prophet Muhammad wasallam did not say this is Islam. He said these are the pillars of Islam. And the scholars like to give us an example when they say, when you build your relationship with God, it's like you're building a house, you're building a building, you're making a project. So you need to have the foundation very strong, but don't stop right there. He did not say just do the foundation. You cannot live in a house with just some cement pillars. You have to put walls, you have to put furniture, you have to paint it, you have to put decoration. And you have to clean it and maintain it on a regular basis. And that's exactly how our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's like a building. It's a project. The foundation of it are those five pillars. Let's work on those, get them done, and then work on the next. Build the walls. Decorate it with some sunnah. Put some furniture. Put some sadaqah. Smile to your neighbor. Smile to the people you see in the street. That's the fragrance you put in your house. Remove the harm of the streets. Remove the obstacles from people's ways. That's how you clean, make it look nice and put some decoration in it. And then whenever you have some shortcomings in that relationship with Allah, you need to clean it back again, just like when you clean your house when you use it. Right? Now, let's ask ourselves a question that's been puzzling me for a long time, by the way. Those five pillars has to be, have to be very significant and something that part of our life that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala consider them as pillars, right? Salah, we do it on regular basis. Sayyam, all of us fast. Uh, shahada, all of us do shahada. Zakah, all of us take care of that. But what about hajj? Hajj is as Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لِمَنْ اسْتَطَاعَ إِلَيْهِ سَبِيلًا For those who can do it and who can afford it. Every year, only three to five million Muslims Go to Hajj out of the 1.6 billion. That's less than 1%. Less than 0.5% of the Muslim population around the world go to Hajj. Now, those who go to Hajj, most of them, they do it once in their lifetimes. 
And those who go more than once, they spend few weeks a year. So Hajj as a ritual, as an act of worship, does not take a lot of our time, does not take a lot of the lives of the Muslims around the world. Yet, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, it's a foundation of your religion. Why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say Hajj is a foundation of our religion, yet not everyone is doing it? Maybe, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَأَذِّنْ فِي النَّاسِ بِالْحَجِّ يَأْتُوكَ رِجَالًا وَعَلَى كُلِّ ضَامِرٍ يَأْتِينَ مِنْ فَجٍ عَمِيقٍ لِيَشْهَدُوا مَنَافِعَ لَهُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Prophet Ibrahim many years ago, call people to come for Hajj. Prophet Ibrahim السلام, said, are they going to hear me? He said, call them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will convey the call. So Prophet Ibrahim السلام, stood up on the mountain and he said, oh people, oh mankind, not Muslims, mankind, nasi. oh mankind, Allah is inviting you to his house. Come and visit it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala conveyed the message. That's why when we go for hajj, we say what? Labbaik Allahumma labbaik. We are answering the call. Now, what is the benefit of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says after that? لِيَشْهَدُوا مَنَافِعَ لَهُمْ Say they can benefit from hajj. So hajj does have benefits. Not only for the people who go for hajj. Not only for the society around the people who go for hajj. The person who goes for hajj, he, he gets a lot of benefits. The society around the person who goes for hajj gets a lot of benefits as well. For example, I get so happy when someone owes me money, they're going to go to hajj. Why? Because they cannot go without paying me. So there are benefits for the society. When they come back, they're going to be better people. They're going to make the society around them better. But then, there is a benefit for the whole ummah of Hajj. And I was reading an article just a few weeks ago about it. And it's a very nice point. I would like to share it with you. The first verse of Surah Al-Hajj. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? What does he talk about? يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ اتَّقُوا رَبَّكُمْ إِنَّ زَلْزَلَةَ السَّاعَةِ شَيْءٌ عَظِيمٌ يَوْمَ تَرَوْنَهَا تَذْهَلُ كُلُّ مُرْضِعَةٍ عَمَّا أَرْضَعَتْ وَتَضَعُ كُلُّ ذَاتِ حَمْلٍ حَمْلَهَا وَتَرَى النَّاسَ سُكَارًا وَمَا هُمْ بِسُكَارًا وَلَكِنَّ عَذَابَ اللَّهِ شَدِيدٌ the first verse, this is what I just mentioned, and the first seven verses of Surah Al-Hajj, the chapter that's titled Hajj, does not talk about Hajj. It talks about what? The day of judgment. O people, have the taqwa of Allah. Indeed, the shakening of the day of judgment is horrible. It is so scary to the point, if a pregnant woman attends that day, she's going to have a miscarriage. If a nursing woman witnessed those events, she's going to forget about her child. And people is going to be running in different directions and so much chaos to the point that you're going to think people are drunk, intoxicated, but they are not. That's what the verse says. So one of the main purposes of Hajj for the whole Ummah is to remind us about the Day of Judgment. The way the male Hajj is dressed in two white garments, she's like someone is wrought for death. The way we are gathered on the Day of Arafah under the heat of the sun, just waiting just like the day of Al-Mahshar when people are just waiting. That's the point. That's the reminder for all of us to remember the day of judgment. If the, without any exception, the most important reason for people doing bad things in this life that they forgot about the day of judgment. If every one of us knows that everything I do, I'm going to be accountable for it in the day of judgment, then I won't do anything wrong. If all of us know that everything I do is recorded, that I'm going to see it, I'm going to read it in front of my eyes in the Day of Judgment, I won't do anything wrong. I'll try my best to avoid it. And that is very important for us to always remember the Day of Judgment. For the rest of the khutbah, I'd like to share with you some of the reminders about the Day of Judgment. For us Muslims, this is the sixth pillar of our faith, to know what is the Day of Judgment, to understand it. Now, yes, it is a hard day. 
Yes, it's it's day of a lot of hardship, but Prophet Muhammad and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us so many good news and so many glad tidings that even through this hard day, you can actually be in safe place. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the day of judgment is as long as 50,000 years. It is a very long day to the point people are going to feel it's a 50,000 year long. Imagine yourself waiting for your results to know whether you passed or you failed 50,000 years. We get so annoyed waiting for any test results, right? When we, when we went to school and the professor says the final results tomorrow and then he says, no, no, we're going to delay it two more weeks. You get anxious. You don't like to wait. If la Allah, God forbid, you are suspected of having some kind of disease, cancer, and they say we're going to do some results, some tests for you, and the results are going to come in two weeks. Those are going to be the longest two weeks of your life because you want to find out, right? Imagine the most important test of your life, the test of the Day of Judgment. You're going to have to wait 50,000 years to find out what's going to happen to you. But the good news, Prophet Muhammad وسلم, said, It will be very short to the believers, as short as two rakats. Just like the two rakats we're going to pray right now. That's five, ten minutes maximum. That's how you're going to feel. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that you took some time off from work to come here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that you made arrangement with your clients, with your customers, with your employers, with your supervisors, with your teacher, so you can be here and attend the khutbah. Allah would never forget that. Inshallah, He'll make it as long as, as short as Turaqa for you, not as long as 50,000 years. In another hadith, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, يُحْشَرُ النَّاسُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ رُكْبَانًا وَمُشَاتًا وَعَلَى وُجُوهِمْ The people in the day of judgment, they're going to be gathered and they're going to move from one place to another by three means, by three ways. Some of them going to be riding, some of them going to be walking, while some of them going to be dragged while their face is on the floor. We don't know what kind of ride it is. Could be a car, a plane, a horse, a ride that's never been invented, but it's definitely it's much more better than walking in this crowd, than being dragged. So, be proud of what you're doing. Be proud of being a good person. Be proud of being a righteous person. Unfortunately, nowadays, the good people are the ones who are made fun of. And the evil people are the cool people. And that's not wrong. Be proud that you don't lie. Be proud that you don't gossip. Be proud that you don't cheat. Be proud that you don't steal. Be proud of everything that you do. And in the day of judgment, when your friend tell you, man, if you don't do drugs, you're missing a lot. When you are on your ride and their faces on the floor, you're going to tell them, man, now you're missing a lot. It's my turn. So be proud of being a good person. Be proud of being righteous. And be proud of helping others and being righteous in your life. One of the situations of the Day of Judgment, as Prophet Muhammad said, that people will be without clothes, uncovered. His wife Aisha asked, men and women without clothes in the same place, aren't they going to be staring at each other? He said, it's so hard. The situation is so hard that no one's even paying attention to that. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give his blessings to certain people to be covered by order, to cover you. And Prophet Muhammad said, if you cover your brother, Allah will cover you in the Day of Judgment. If you defend your brother, Allah will defend you in the Day of Judgment. When I say brother, means also sister. In other words, when you are sitting down with two or three people, and then one of them decided to make fun of someone who is not there, gossiping, backbiting, all what you have to say, please, do not say about him, he's not here. 
please do not say anything bad about her she's not here and Allah will defend you in the day of judgment when you cover when you protect someone's reputation Allah will protect your reputation in the day of judgment oh, by the way our religion is practical there is nothing just believe you have to believe and apply in your life in another situation Prophet Muhammad said the day of judgment is very dark one of the stages of the day will be very dark to the point some people put their hands in front of their faces they cannot see it yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran يَوْمَ تَرَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ يَسْعَى نُورُهُمْ بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَبِأَيْمَانِهِمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says when you see the believer men and women enjoying their light right and left whenever they turn their faces there is light they're not going to be scared from the darkness they're not going to be suffering from the darkness Prophet Muhammad told us how you can charge the battery for the light in the day of judgment. What did he say? Give the good news, give the glad tidings for those who go to the masjid while it's dark outside, they're going to have full light in the day of judgment. When was the last time you went for Fajr to the masjid? When was the last time you went for Isha to the masjid? Do you do that on a regular basis or you just do it whenever you feel like it? Let's make that a habit of our life. Prophet Muhammad said, if you pray Isha in Jama'ah, and if you pray Fajr in Jama'ah, you'll get the reward of praying the whole night. Imagine the last 10, 15 years of your life, you go every day to Fajr and Isha. You can meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, very proud saying, oh Allah, the last 15 years of my life, I get the reward of full night, Qiyam Layl. And you'll have inshallah the full light in the day of judgment. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us among those who will enjoy their lives in the day of judgment. Aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum fastaghfirullah. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله أفضل المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وعلى تابعيهم ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين We are talking about the day of judgment as Hajj reminds us with it We said for those who came late that Hajj is one of the main pillars of our religion yet not everyone is doing it Why? Why is it a pillar even though not everyone is doing it? Because it's a reminder for the day of judgment and we talked about some of the situations of the Day of Judgment and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Prophet gave us the good news that we can be saved from these hard situations. I'll finish the khutbah with one hadith. And this hadith is one of my favorite hadiths. Wherever I go and I talk about this hadith, I see three groups of faces in front of me. Some people, they have determination to be among those people in this hadith. Others will have smiles. I'm already one of them. And then the third group who have sorrow and regret and they said, I wish I took advantage of my life to be among those. In one of the situations of the Day of Judgment, Prophet Muhammad said, the sun will be so hot and there is no shade at all, no place to protect yourself from the heat of the sun. People will be burned and bothered by the heat of the sun. But then in the middle of all that, Prophet Muhammad said, seven groups of people will be called to be protected under the shade of throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when there is no shade but His. I want you to look at it as it's the first class lounge in the Day of Judgment. The place where the cool and the comfort under the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when there is no shade. Let us go through these seven groups of people. My request to each one of you 
not to leave this masjid today without having a determination in your mind to be at least one of these. If you can get them all, that's good, but at least one of them. Let's start with them. Imamun Adil, a just leader, a just ruler, a just employer, a just president, someone who have authority and he treated everyone underneath him with justice and fairness. Now you might not be a president, you might not be a king, but you are a leader in your house. You are a father or a mother and you should treat people in your house with fair and justice. The way you treat your spouse should be fair and just. The way you treat your children should be fair and just. Prophet Muhammad said, Oh parents, have the taqwa of Allah and be fair with your children. It's not fair to treat your boys different than your girls. It's not fair to treat your A plus student son better than your student who does not do good in school. It's not fair to tell your daughter you're not allowed to talk to boys and you go brag that your son have a girlfriend. That has nothing to do with Islam. That's cultural habits that we took out with some of our bad cultural habits. And unfortunately, nowadays, our sisters, our Muslim sisters, who are born and raised in this country, they are repelling from Islam. They think that their parents are doing Islam. Well, they are not doing. They're doing cultural and tradition. The way you treat your son should be the way you treat your daughter with definitely understanding the differences in the gender. So be a fair father or a fair mother, and you can guarantee yourself a spot under the shade of Allah in the Day of Judgment. The second one, A man or a woman, a person, whose heart is attached to the masjid. They're always they think about the masjid. How can I make it a better place? How can I make it a cleaner place? When they walk to the bathroom and they see paper towels on the floor, they don't go complain, they clean it. They cannot let a day go by in their lives without coming to the masjid. You know, when you go and leave your house, for three or four weeks in a vacation, when you come back to your home and you kick back on the couch or the bed and you take a deep breath and say, home sweet home, that's how you should feel when you come to the masjid after a while. You should worry when only three or four people are praying Isha. How can I bring more people? You should worry when the masjid is having some financial problem. Have your heart attached to the masjid and inshallah you can guarantee yourself a spot under the shade of Allah in the day of judgment. Number three, a youth. A young boy or a young girl who was raised up righteously, who decided at a young age to be a good person and not follow the lust and the desires of the people around him or their peer pressure. A boy who decided to respect his parents while all his friends are disrespecting his, their parents. A girl who decided to dress modestly while everyone around her telling her you have to wear those fashionable revealing clothes. And for those young among you, don't wait too long. Look at the brother next to you who's older. He's saying, I cannot do this anymore. Take advantage of your young age, and inshallah, you'll guarantee yourself a spot under the shade of Allah in the day of judgment. Number four. Rajulani Two persons, two men or two women, who love each other just for the sake of Allah. There's no benefit behind it, except that they love each other for the sake of Allah. I'll ask you a question. Do you have a brother who wakes you up every day for Fajr? Do you have a sister who reminds you to fast Mondays and Thursdays? Do you have a brother who corrects you when you do something wrong and advises you in a nice way? If you have such a relationship, grab on it. Don't let it go. This is your ticket to the shade of Allah in the, in the Day of Judgment. Now if you don't have such a relationship, start one today. After you say, Assalamu Alaikum, shake the hand of the brother next to you, exchange phone numbers, and if you don't see him next Friday, call him and ask him, how are you doing? I didn't see you. Let's call each other just to say, you know what? I love you for the sake of Allah. 
I care about you. We usually call each other just to, because we need something. We need a phone number for someone else. We need someone to help us to move from one house to another house. We need to sell them a car or insurance policy. Let's just call each other and say, Assalamu alaikum, how are you doing today? I just missed you. I would like to talk to you. That's all. And hang up. By having this relationship, both of you, inshallah, will be under the shade of Allah in the day of judgment. Number five, and this is for brothers. رَجُلٌ دَعَتْهُمْ رَأَةٌ ذَاتُ مَنْصِبٍ وَجَمَالٍ فَقَالْ إِنِّي أَخَافُ اللَّهِ A man and sister should be happy for this because that's what your husband is supposed to be doing. A man who's been seduced by a woman who had her share of fortune and beauty and he resisted that temptation and he said, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ God forbid I'm going to commit such a sin. Just like Prophet Yusuf السلام, when he was seduced by the lady of the palace and he was forced to run away from her. And then when the temptation was overwhelming, what did he say? I'd rather be in prison than being seduced and tempted to do something so bad. And compare that to some of our young brothers who go to college and they say, I would die for her phone number. What? Well, if you get in such situation, the first thing you need to do, God forbid, I'm a Muslim, I cannot do this. By saying that once in your lifetime, you'll guarantee yourself a spot under the shade of Allah in the day of judgment. Number six. رَجُلٌ ذَكَرَ اللَّهَ خَالِيًّا فَفَاضَتْ عَيْنَاهِ A man or a woman, a person who remembered Allah, who started thinking about God, and then tears start coming out from their eyes. Have you ever cried from the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Have you ever after Isha prayer took a corner in the masjid or in the, your house and you start calling Allah and making dua and praying to God and then suddenly you feel that love and tears start jumping out from your eyes. That tear is your ticket to the shade of Allah and the, the shade of Allah in the day of judgment. And Prophet Muhammad وسلم, said it very clearly, two kinds of eyes would never be touched by hellfire. One of them is the one who cries from the respect of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number six, seven, and this is the easiest one. Because maybe the first six are hard to do. Not everyone going to be seduced. Not everyone is easy for them to cry. Not everyone is going to have such a good relationship with a brother or a sister. But the last one is the easiest one. رَجُلٌ تَصَدَّقَ بِصَدَقَةٍ فَأَخْفَاهَا حَتَّى لَا تَعْلَمَ شِمَالُهُ مَا تُنْفُقُ يَمِينُهُ A man or a woman, a person, who gave a charity, who donated something, who helped out a poor person, a homeless, a needy, a needy relative. But he concealed it very well to the point his left hand did not know what his hand, right hand gave. Conceal your donation. Conceal what you did to others. Don't come to the masjid brag, oh, that poor guy, I had to give him $20 last week because he was very hungry. No! Give it between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you come to the masjid and you put some batteries in the microphone, you thought everyone has to know it. Keep it between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some might say, how can I donate without my left hand knowing what my right hand? It could be one of two things. Either you hide it very well even from the person that you're given. Don't let them know that you're given. You know, some of the righteous people in the old days, they used to donate so much to the poor and the needy and the poor and the needy would not know who gave it to them. They lock the door, they leave food, money, clothes on the door and they leave. How did they find out it was them after they died? Because supplies stopped coming. Hide it so well. Or the other meaning is don't count. Don't count. You know what? One day you're walking on the street and you know that you have some cash in your money. Don't count it. Put your hand in your pocket, pick it up, put it in the hand of a homeless. Do that once in your life. Without counting. And that will be your ticket 
to the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Someone might say, what about when we have fundraisings and people are asking us to help the masjid or help an organization? You still can hide it. Yes, you can encourage others. When they ask for a certain amount of donation, raise up your hand, write the check, double that amount without anyone knowing. Keep it between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are seven things that we can do in our lives. They're not hard to do. They're not impossible. We can achieve. And by doing those, we can, inshallah, all together be in that beautiful, special place under the shade of Allah in the day of judgment. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us all among those. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, uh, to, uh, to grant us, all of us, to go to hajj. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring our brothers and sisters who went back into hajj back home safe. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept their dua when they make dua for us. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us always aware of him and aware of the day of judgment. Allahumma ghfir al-Muslimin wal-Muslimat wal-Mu'minin wal-Mu'minat al-Ahya'i minhum wal-Amwat innaka ya Rabbana sami'un qareebun mujibu al-Da'awat ibad Allah inna Allah qad amarakum bi amrin bada bihi bi nafsih wa thanna bi malaikati qudusi haythu qal inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala al-Nabi ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت وسلمت وباركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد وأقم الصلاة بارك الله فيك